Live in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello and welcome to episode 0370 of Five in the Eye, Colourful Radio's weekly news review. In Germany this week, it's Phil Woodford welcoming you to the show. And um, we have this week a pre-recorded show because I'm away on holiday. Michael's going away on holiday. All is happening this week, but we didn't want to leave you without your favourite news review, did we, Michael? Not at all, Phil. So we're going to kick off the show this week with me here in London, ready to go off, off to the Cotswolds, and Phil in Germany. And we're going to kick off with, has to be, this Tory leadership campaign, which seems to be going on forever. And the, the news every week of the cost of living, interest rates going up, um, the, the fuel is going to go up, it's going to go up to £4,000 a year next year, and what we hear from the government? Silence. Looking forward to discussing that with you, Phil. Story number two this week is one here in Germany, which is that um, the German government welcomed a number of people fleeing from the war in Ukraine. Amongst them were foreign students. The foreign students don't have the same rights to stay in Germany that the Ukrainian nationals do. And that's causing some debate and controversy. That's going to be our second story this week. Well, for story number two, not number three, sorry, sorry, not number three, is the excellent news that the Hornman Museum here in London is going to send back its Benny Bronzes. And it even admits that they're stolen. We're going to talk, in, talk about that in a little bit more detail later on. Number four is about when we leave a chat in WhatsApp, because apparently the rules are going to change and we're going to be able to sneak out of some group chats without anyone even knowing we've gone. Is that something you'd welcome, Michael? We'll find out. <laughs> find out later on. And we're going to finish off with a story, Phil, which I believe, well, it's one of your stories, there's nothing in it. It's literally a hole in the wall that's become a tourist attraction. Goodness knows how that happened. Yeah, well, there's plenty of holes in our arguments, usually, on, uh, on Five in the Eye. But we're going to finish with that hole in the wall this week. That's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, we, we, have, to, we have to kick off with the, the Tory leadership campaign. And although this is recorded, Sean, we might, we might guardedly say it might be resolved by, by the time you hear this. It's not going to be resolved. We're talking about sometime in September, isn't it, when, when they actually have the vote. And it just goes on forever. And we've literally got a vacuum in leadership. There's nobody in charge. There's nobody giving us the the, the steer on, on what the government thinks about the, uh, the the rise in energy costs for next year, or the rise in interest rates, you know, and and the and the cost of living, the general the general rise in the cost of living. There seems to be nothing going on. There seems to be, as I say, a vacuum. And Phil, I think this is just symptomatic of the toys right now. The naval the naval gazing at themselves, and they're looking at the things that please them, and what pleases them going to reduce taxes. And to be honest with you, I think reducing taxes is the last, last thing on many people's mind now. It's it's more about g- getting by, surviving. So, Phil, I'm, 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 I'm looking for you to, to give me some feedback, so, so something positive about this, what's going on with these Tories right now. Is there anything they're doing right? Are any of the spokesmen saying the right thing now that, that are making you feel better? Um, I, I wish I could bring you some comfort and joy, Michael. But I, I you know, I, I, I share your, I share your opinion about this. I think the Tories are um, locked in a 
kind of hellish debate uh, uh, to kind of Sunak and Truss competing to see who can come out with a more outlandish and right wing uh, policies to attract the members. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson's kind of gone AWOL, hasn't he? I mean, it's almost like he's saying, well, you know, sod you, you you voted me out. I'm not going to bother now. I'm just going to sit here um, and serve out my time, collect my salary, uh, but I'm not going to do anything. I mean, there's no sense of um, Johnson intervening uh, or doing anything of value at this critical time, is there? Meanwhile, other ministers might rightly say, well, there's not much point in me doing anything because in a month's time, the boss is going to change and um, I, I, I can't be doing anything too major or too radical in this kind of interim period. So we've, we've entered a kind of limbo period, haven't we, where um, there's no government going on at all, effectively. Um, as for the tax cuts, I, I do not see them as, and this is Liz Truss's proposed um, immediate answer to the cost of living crisis. I, I don't see them as an answer at all because the people who are going to be most vulnerable um, with the terrible price increases that are coming down the line are often going to be people who really aren't taxpayers anyway. You know, we're talking about people um, of pensionable age. We're talking about people um, who maybe are on universal credit and um, or earning so little they're not paying tax. Um, these are the people who are at the very sharp end of it all. Phil, you know, this is this is what what Martin Lewis from MoneySaving.com um, talks about a zombie government. Well, well, we're, well, the world is literally falling down around our ears. They're off. Where is the government? No one to be here. We've got businesses telling government, asking government to come and help. No one's there. It just seems so empty. I'm not giving you the, the, the you do use this word vacuum, but something has to be done. And and for me, Phil, it's about the mood music they created. There's almost like an indifference. There's no compassion. This is, you know, even not even the people gone away for Christmas or gone away for holiday and they've moved off. They haven't, they haven't come out and made some, they might even be vacuous statements full, but reassuring statements that these we're, we're going we're gonna to get this right and put, you know, and be, be positive and talk to the nation. And as you see, Johnson, he's disappeared. The only thing I'm hearing about Johnson, people are voting to have him back. You know, there's a campaign to bring him back. He's, you know, hostile la vista, baby. He sees himself as returning. Come on, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's all the wrong messages at the wrong time. So, I, mean, I you know, I, I think there is an argument that says, look, um, no government is going to have a magic wand on the kinds of issues that we're facing. I've no doubt that a Labour government under Keir Starmer would uh, do everything it could to protect the people who are most vulnerable from the effects of the uh, of the uh, cost of living crisis and that's why i would much prefer now to have a labor government in power than the tories the reality is though um even a labor government is going to really really struggle with headwinds um that that, that exists now um, we're talking about inflation going to 13 percent understandably workers demanding more money which ultimately can only feed that uh, inflation further we've got um, the war in ukraine still going on um we've got the crisis now uh, with china and taiwan and uh, i mean everything it's a catalog of it's a catalog of disaster plus the legacy of, of brexit of covid um there, there there's no easy answer to any of this is there 
Not at all, not at all. And this is where it goes for level heads and strong leadership. And I hate to say, oh, no, I hate to say it's a reality. I can't see either. From even when they come in, when when they, when they do an eventual either trust or or um, sooner, so yeah, can you see the the, the level headed visionary calming you know, a calming hand on the tiller? You know, well, I, mean, I, think, I think Sunak is 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 more calming and more polished, and he he does at least he does at least understand that immediate tax cuts are, are not the right strategy, and that they you know he has to promise tax cuts, of course, because he's appealing to these kind of right wing Tory voters. But he's saying, well, they'll come further down the line as we can as we can do them. He's more sensible. He's more level headed. But he's not going to win because the Tory voters are not going to vote for sensible and level-headed, and we're going to pay the consequences of it. Five in the eye. Story number two this week is one from here in Germany, and it it caught my eye just looking at some of the German news. I've been doing a little tour around um, the southwest of Germany, making use of their nine euro. Um, train ticket, by the way, which um, is, is has allowed me to travel free, pretty much uh, around the around the country. But um, th- there's there's a story about the um, people who fleed from Ukraine into Germany because of the war, and most Ukrainian refugees can apply for a two year residency permit on a fast track program that is designed for Ukrainian nationals. But it's not available, Michael, to everybody who Mm. fled the war because some of the people that were there were actually um, foreign students, for instance. And uh, Deutsche Welle, the the German news uh, outlet, um, has a story of a guy called Marvin who arrived in Dnipro in Ukraine from Sierra Leone. And he was talking about how happy he was there. His mother had wept tears of joy with this opportunity he'd had to to do a degree in civil engineering out there. But he he finds himself suddenly in the middle of a war zone, Dnipro getting shelled. And what what could the guy do but get out? He got out to to Germany, but he doesn't have the same rights to residency. Uh, He's in Berlin, but doesn't have the security that other people do. What do you make of this, Michael? And do you think the German government should show some degree of leniency here? On the one hand, you've got to hand it to the German government. They let them in because there was some some of the some of the um, frontline states, if that's the right word, wouldn't let um, black people in, black students in. Their references are just for the Ukrainians, and that was it. So they're troubled. But so, but this 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 story has been going on for some time now, and um, many of the African countries have have sorted out in some ways. They got their stu- their students back home. Some of them didn't want to get back, but there was no option. In terms of they were they wouldn't they weren't allowed into any country in, into the Hungary, Poland, and Germany. But but Germany took some in, and it just seems it just seems odd and it's inconsistent with Germany's Germany's policy about uh, re- refugees. The number of refugees it has taken in, and that's been in some ways that that was a strength of the old of the older old government with under Merkel, where they needed they needed um, uh, foreigners to come in and and and, and help an industry. And these uh, students, yeah, there, was, there, were, there were a very large number of Syrians that weren't weren't there who came into Germany. Exactly. In years, yeah. And what seems like these these are these are students who are educated and and are, and are able to um, support the economy, helping the economy. Just, I guess this this is the, the, the present government 
has to look 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 has to look over its shoulder to to the uh, the right wing, the the growing the, the right wing community in 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 Germany, who are who are, are, are see this as a sign of weakness and or anti immigrant, and see this in some ways. This is the um, is the, the 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 thin end of the wedge if you let these in. Will let other people in? But it's, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I, 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 and that's a good point. And I've been I've been reading, you know, with regards to the right wing generally. In the most recent period, the right wing's been in decline again in Germany. But obviously, they look for any they look for any opportunity, yeah. don't they? And there is speculation that the cost of living crisis, which is obviously hitting in Germany, perhaps not quite as badly as the UK, but it's still a big issue here. Um, that that could play into the hands of the far right. And then, so when you add in issues like these kind of uh, issues of immigration and so on, you can understand. Perhaps there's a nervousness, but we're not talking about huge numbers of people. You know, um, a million immigrants came in from Syria. Now we're talking about a few thousand people, maybe who are uh, foreign students and so on in in, in Ukraine. Well, Philip, we all talk about the optics of it and and weakness and open door and all, and all the, the rhetoric of, uh, of 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 a weak a weak uh, immigration policy. And when when, when into your point, the, the, the numbers are trivial. And the people are coming in are are quality people. They're educated people. They want they say they search and educate. They're certainly not looking to be refugees, looking to, to live off the state. They want independence. And as you say, some of them, you tell me, tell me all that Sirioni, the Sirioni chap offline, so it worked worked hard to to get there. This was his dream come true mm. because this the, he, he saw that this is a way out of poverty, becoming a civil engineer, and 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 the dream is now dashed. But it's exactly the kind of people that. A, a country who's who's short on labour, as Germany is, they, they, they need. I guess it comes back to the the colour of the skin. It's not quite appropriate. Live in the eye. Why don't we move on to story number three? This is a really good story. It's about the the honeymoon, the honeymoon, the honeymoon museum here in London, who have decided to give back the stolen Benin bronzes, and they actually use language which is wholly appropriate, wholly appropriate. They talk about they've it was it's moral and it's in it's immoral and it's inappropriate that we should have these have these objects that were stolen, looted but um, from, from from Benin, which is in complete contrast to the VNA. More of them later. The VNA talk about complex histories, you know, or or the the, the, the British Museum. These they have contested histories that we need to discuss and analyze. When it's quite simply those stolen goods, so it's really. An excellent story that the Horniman, like many institutions around the world, are saying, come on, we can't hide behind this thing. We, we own them now. We don't know who owns them. In the sense, they say, well, it's a different people now in Nigeria, different people now. So we can't we can't give them back. We know who to give them back. Or equally, they hide behind the law that says we, we are obliged to keep them by law, which is complete nonsense. You know, because the, the, it, the laws is, can be interpreted in many different ways. Yeah, I mean, I, it seems to me that this is the right thing to do, and I have to say that you know when when I when I read this story, I was pleasantly surprised at the I was pleasantly surprised at the fact that um, there was such a kind of frank admission with regards to the history and so on. I don't think there's anything wrong at all with looking at what's happened in the past and saying, look, this is you know it's history. It did happen, but it's not by 
to the standards today what we think is acceptable and we are going to do something to make amends for that and to to, to set things right and so you know i i applaud what the horniman is doing i know this you know it plays into all these culture war issues in the uk doesn't it um uh, because we you know all the debates about statues and monuments and so on i mean is this another is this another issue do you think michael for the daily express and the daily mail to oh, no, 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 no doubt no doubt that the daily express was like, well we, we own them we, we they're ours we should keep them but we, we, th- th- that moral argument has been lost it's been lost as more and more institutions around the country, more universities, museums, not just in Britain, but around the world, stop giving these things back because they see it's, it's not moral. It's, it's immoral that they've got these things that were st- clearly stolen. And there's a, there's a little irony here at the VNA. There's a, they've got a, a Frankenstein, would you believe, from 1930, which they say they bought rightly. And this, is, this is from the United States, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It, it's actually, it was actually uh, part of the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles. They own it. They own it. But the VNA and it was the VA bought it. It, was, it came to this country, into the UK, and they managed to buy it. And they said, "Well, we own it now." So this seven-foot Frankenstein, I mean, they want to put on display in the new um, the Museum of Childhood, and they're saying we're going to hold on to it. And it seems, again, this exactly the same story as the VNA, as the, the Benin bronzes. These things, it was stolen. It was from, from a, from an appropriate source. So you've got to give it back, even though you it, paid it, money for it. it. It's interesting, isn't it? It shows that the, you know, beyond the issues of colonialism and, and, and the looting of, 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 uh, of, of art and, and so on, there's always issues of ownership and, 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 and there's always history attached to everything that's in a museum somewhere along the way, isn't there? Um, who would have thought that a Frankenstein from from 1930 would be a matter of debate? But clearly it is. I guess it's contested ownership and, and they, 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 they see themselves as custodians. But, but in some ways, you know, they're on very, very, they're very slippery ground because it, it if you completely shown that these things were, were, were stolen, they, they, they've got the, the documentation, the provenance to say who owns these things. And equally with the Ben and Bronzes, we've got the pictures of them stole, stealing them and even having the gall to call it loot and then selling these things on the streets of London here in uh, in uh, auctions on the, in London and Phillips and, and, and Sotheby's and elsewhere. And so we can see that the provenance of these things. And what, Phil, just let me finish on this point. The, the cheek of these people. There's, there's um the Benin, uh, not the Benin ones, the, the Magdala treasures. They were sold on the streets of London and then sold on. And part of their provenance, they, they dated back. The, one object they back date back to the 1700s, and they say they, they list the various kings who own it. And then then the next <laughs> then it suddenly moves to a, a sergeant in the British in the British Army. He owns it. Then it, it ends up on the streets of uh, in um, uh, a booksellers here in London. He 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 owns it, and then he sells it on to a, a collector in Europe, and they 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 have it there in the province that it was owned by kings in um, Ethiopia, and suddenly owned by this this British sergeant. Mm-hmm. Just come on, the, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. The, 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 it's it's a pretty hard, uh, yeah, it's a pretty clear cut case, isn't it? There's no question about it. 
before anyone incidentally uh, writes in or tweets, I do know the difference between Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, by the way. Uh, I know it's the monster we were talking about rather than Frankenstein, because I know that's something that agitates people. So I thought I'd just get that in, Michael, before oh, we get the story. You're, 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 you're so precise. Live in the eye. Then it us about story number four. Yeah, well, story number four is about the world of WhatsApp. And apparently there are going to be some changes to the rules whereby you might be able now to leave a chat without anyone knowing that you've gone. You know, at the moment, if you're in a group chat on WhatsApp, it would say Michael Owadura has left the chat or it would put up your phone number at the very least. And we would know that it you'd potentially gone. And then, of course, the people remaining in the group would be chit-chatting about you, Michael. They'd be saying, well, where's Michael? <laughs> what, have we done to, what have we done to offend him? Whereas you might have just wanted to a quiet life. Um, you might have got tired of the notifications on that particular group and you wanted to slope off. Is that right? And, and so do you see this as a good innovation? Oh, very nice, very nice. Because often, you know, you, you want to leave a group, but you feel a bit uns- you know, you, you want... You're not interested, but equally you don't, you, you don't want them people to know that you you've had enough of them. I guess it's it's all it's all to do with etiquette and being polite. You know, mm. it's, it's a bit like banging the door when you leave. Just want to do it quietly and discreetly, so that yeah. nobody notices you. You know, the quiet footprint. Because some groups can be very noisy. What do I mean by that? Lots and lots of messages, mm. and you just kind of overwhelmed to the point of you know I'm never going to catch it with this group. Good luck to them. I'll just. I just tiptoe out of the door, you know, quietly. So I guess it's all part of the new etiquettes that we have to develop in um, in, in uh, social media. The one I'm interested in trying to get my head around is this deleting your, your messages disappear after X, mm. you know, and, and equally, who can read your messages? So you can decide if friends, close friends, whoever, who can read it and, and, and how long the, the message is live for. And equally, if the message can be photocopied, um, can be screenshot. So there's yeah. lots, lots of things coming on to the point of, you know, uh, do I really want to send this message? Yeah, well, of course, Snapchat was the, the the platform that first started this idea that maybe something's only going to appear for a certain period of time. With Snapchat, originally, it was just a few seconds, and then it was gone, um, and that raises all kinds of issues. But then, then that paved the way for things like Instagram stories and other uh, other similar ideas where something's live maybe for 24 hours and then it then it's gone it's it's kind of you have to navigate this etiquette very carefully don't you and you think well okay um i will post one thing in one context i'll post another thing in another some people will see this other people will see that and so uh, that's you, too complex you, too you, complex you, you curating curating things like this couldn't you too exactly it's too complex you know if you can't say it to the face, don't say it at all. Mm. Yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's a uh, it's a case of someone will read it the wrong way anyway. So just be, be honest, <laughs> straight and sincere. Get the message out there, or don't get the message out there. It's as simple as that. Don't don't try and you know, select who the group should who who the message should go to, how long they should be able to see it for, who they can copy it to. It's just nah, nah. Life's too short. Life's too short. Live in the eye. Our final story this week. There's nothing in it. It's a hole in the wall. Now, I, I didn't want to do this, Phil, but you were enthusiastic about it. You were keen that we should discuss 
a hole in the wall. This is a hole next to a, a cash machine. <laughs> Thank you for the cash over. My, my mind's which gone back. Which, which, of course, some people might refer to as a hole in the wall. And so there's well, a, if, just if you want to picture this, it's a literal hole in the wall alongside a hole in the wall machine. Are you saying there's a certain irony going on here, Phil, in terms of hole in the wall versus a hole in the wall? I think that I think there maybe that could be something to do with the allure of this thing. This is in, in a town called Ilkston, and, and and on TripAdvisor, people have been bigging up this circular hole in a wall beside the Nat West as a major tourist attraction. Uh, uh, so I think that the, the secret word you said there is trip on TripAdvisor, not in real life. That they make this, this thing has a takes on a life of its own on TripAdvisor. People are saying, "I'm going to go and visit it." And that inspires other people to go and visit it, and it ends up we end up discussing about this hole on five in the eye, you know. And now, yeah. of course, now that it's been on five in the eye, you never know how many people will be making the pilgrimage. Um, but you're saying what you're saying, Michael, is you don't think this is an official recommendation of the tourist board in the local area at all? Um, no. So in, in terms of what what is a tourist attraction, I guess I guess social media redefines that. I guess in terms of if you get enough people online to say something offline is real, someone offline will go and visit it and claim, wow, that's extraordinary. Because this happened with a chippy, didn't it, recently? And there was quite a lot of coverage in in the media for this this particular particular fish and chip shop, I think, and and where everyone was coming from miles around because of the reputation it garnered on TikTok or something. But, you know, good for for them if they, they managed to build up their reputation like that. But, of course, there was nothing particular about this place apart from the fact that people had latched onto it. I think what needs to, but I think this is this is a Nat West story because mm. every, every every picture and every point talks about the Nat West cash point. You, 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 you the sense whole the, the Nat West PR machine behind yeah, this. Possibly. Exactly, right. exactly. You got, you, got, you got to use every every device you can to promote the brand and the image. But it's um, I have to say, Phil, it's not even an interesting hole. It's you know, a circle. It's a circle in a wall. But can, can I? Can I? I'm going to do one of those dreadful five in the eye thing. I'm going to tell a joke. Oh my God! Brace yourself, listeners. <laughs> um, and the police have found the hole, and they're looking into it. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we'll, uh, I think we, we also probably wrap up show zero three seven zero. Five in the eye. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, it's come to you. This week from both London and Freiburg in southwestern Germany. Um, normal service will resume again next time. Um, in the meantime, please do uh, keep looking at our Facebook page and um, looking at some of the stories we're suggesting for the week ahead. If you've got any suggestions of your own, we'd love to hear from you. For now, in southern Germany, this is Phil Woodford saying goodbye. Well, this is, this is me here in London saying, are we the same film? <laughs> or are we the same pets? For those who know what I'm talking about. No, Phil, it's been an interesting show. Glad you, I've enjoyed um, this, I was going to say transatlantic, trans-channel, trans-channel <laughs> chat. Uh, only needs time for me to say, look, to, our, to our, our listener, if you have been, thanks for listening. Look forward to talking to you next week. Take care now. Goodbye. Five in the eye.